0: Praise God. Well, welcome. It's good to see you. And considering that this is Mother's Day, I am impressed. Uh, Seems like the percentage of folks who've stayed out tonight is significantly reduced. So I commend you for that. Mothers are important. But the Father, not fathers, the Father is most important. I'd like for you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 8 here for just a little bit. Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm going to read a few verses and then we'll go from there. The book of Deuteronomy is Moses, it's essentially one uh, message that makes mine seem short. The book of Deuteronomy, if I'm not mistaken, is like 31 chapters long, and most of it is a message. There are parts of it that are commentary or input, but most of it is a message. I want to just put that out there. A single message. Hallelujah. And uh, in that day, the speaker sat down and the people stood while the preaching went on. That's Old Testament. Aren't you glad that's Old Testament? Praise God. So keep that in mind, please. This is Moses' uh, last opportunity to influence Israel before... They go to the promised land. And this is kind of in the middle of the message, but I'm starting here. Deuteronomy 8, beginning with verse 1. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do that, for this cause, for this purpose, on this account, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness. Why? Everybody, everybody wants to know the answer to the question why. The Lord's giving them the answer to the question why. Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the, of the, Lord, uh, of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord bringeth thy For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of waters, of fountains and depths, that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten And are full and has built goodly houses and dwelt therein. And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied. Then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget that the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought where there was no water who brought thee forth water out of the rock of Flint who fed thee in the wilderness with manna which thy fathers knew not that he might humble thee and then he might prove thee to do thee good at thy, thy latter end and thou say in thine heart my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth you may be seated let me keep reading verse 18 but thou shalt remember the lord thy god for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant with which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day and it shall be if thou do all do at all forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. Wow. Wow. If you go to chapter 28, just for a moment, just so you can see the point here. Chapter 28, he gives a list of blessings and a list of cursings. And what is the criteria? Chapter 28, verse 1. Deuteronomy 28, 1. It shall come to pass... If thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come on thee. And it lists all these blessings, great blessings. And then you get down to verse 15. But if, and it shall come to pass, if thou will not hearken under the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And he lists all the curses. And then he concludes this. Warning with this. Whoa, not good. (laughs) I thought it was closer to that. sorry he makes the statement I set before you blessings and curses life and death I set before you blessings and curses life and death choose choose one of the first points I'd really like to make here is this We're humans. And thank God our Father, Psalms 103, says, Like as a father pitieth his children, the Lord pities you. He remembers your frame that is made out of the dust of the earth. Thank God that he remembers that we're made out of the dust of the earth. Thank God. Okay? But we are human. Humans like ease. Humans want lives that have no adverse challenges to them. And humans want to feel good about themselves. So humans are tempted to do their own thing and to take the credit for what good happens. That's the temptation For humans (laughs) Here's the problem The Lord says Here are the blessings I'm going to give you If you hear my voice and hearken Here are the curses going to come That if you won't hear my voice And you don't hearken Notice the point here the point is he didn't say here the blessings going to come if you read my rules and do them and here the curses are going to come if you read my rules for what not to do and you do them and you don't do what i tell you to do he uses the terminology my voice What's the big deal? The big deal is when he uses that terminology, he proves that he takes all of this out of the realm of religion and performance and brings it into the realm of relationship. You write me a letter and you say, I I want you to do this, 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 and I don't want you to do this, this, and this, and... I don't see your face, I don't hear your voice, I just got this letter, and I go, I don't like that. I think I'm going to do whatever. It is reasonably easy to justify just balling that piece of paper up and throwing it in the can and saying, Well, I know you want me to do this or you don't want me to do that. But let's see if you've got anything to back that up with. Now, if you walked up to me face to face. And I'm looking you in the eyes and you're looking me in the eyes. And you say to me, I'd like for you to do this, this, and this. And I'm requesting for you not to do this, this, and this. Now... If I make choices contrary to what you requested of me, it's personal. It's personal. And the Lord made it very clear that what what he blessed was people that listened to his voice. And what he cursed was people that rejected his voice. Because it's personal with him. It's personal. Well, I don't see him. I don't, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever your your excuse is. Bottom line is this. God's voice speaks to every human being. We just, most people just don't recognize it. Just don't recognize it. We don't recognize it's God speaking to us. Let me give you an illustration. The thought comes through, I think I'll do that. I don't feel like doing that. The first thought is flesh. But immediately behind that, and it's a still, more still, quiet, gentle voice... But it always is there, and it immediately is after both of those. And that voice says, but you need to do this. And it would be good for you not to do this. For everybody. But we reject that, we neglect that, we deny that. Right. Right. We turn it off. We don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that which is contrary to us. The way we want to do things. What we want to do. But the problem is this. That voice is God's voice. And we're making not choices concerning rules. We're making personal choices. To either please him, obey him, or disobey him and say, Let's see what you can do about that. <laughs> yeah. oh, I've had this discussion with my sons, and they ought to remember because it happened with them. <laughs> I said, uh, and I said this to one of my adopted sons just a few weeks ago. Got a child that's uh, very strong-willed. Sweet as she can be, but she's very strong-willed. And I, 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 he says, I don't want to be disciplining all the time. I've gone a lot. When I get home, I, I don't want to be disciplining her all the time. Then I said, then you've got to make a decision. If you're home and you don't want to be disciplined all the time, then you just keep your mouth shut and let her do whatever she's going to do. Because you can't, the moment you open your mouth and call her name and say, don't do that, it's on. It's on. And I said and if you don't win You lose So what you're not willing To take the time to back up You don't say Could I have just a little bit more Volume please I feel like I'm straining a little bit And I don't want to hurt anybody And so I said to him the old rule is this, say what you mean, mean what you say. If you say something and you say, if you don't do this, but you don't back it up, you just told her, she doesn't have to listen to you, you don't mean it when you talk. Because the moment you say, do this or don't do this, it's own. And as the parent, you can't afford to lose that struggle. Why? (laughs) How many of you want to see your kids go to heaven? Well, let me tell you something most parents never figure out. God made you the keeper of your child's soul as a child. And it is your responsibility... To teach that child to obey your voice. So that child grows up to learn to obey God's voice. Because if you don't teach that child to obey you. That 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 child either will never learn to obey God. Or if they ever do the price will be very very high. Because if I let my sweet little darling. Get by with, figuratively with murder. Because I don't want to play the bad person. And isn't it amazing that we are in this day when you call evil good and good evil and being a biblical parent is being a bad person? I didn't plan on getting in this, but what I'm getting from some of you, you're just, you, you think you want me to shut up? What you're doing is throwing gasoline on the fire. Bring it on. I got the mic. I didn't want to break my son's spirit, but I did want to break their will. I wanted my sons to learn that no meant no. And that it's not good enough to accept no with a bad attitude. That we're not done until no means no and you get your attitude straight over no. Well, guess what? We're all the children of the Father. (laughs) and not one thing happens in the life of a child of God that is not for the purpose of training you to obey Deuteronomy 8 uh, let's see where it is again here Deuteronomy 8 uh Can I miss that? It's right here in the middle of the chapter. I read it. Oh, verse 5. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son so the Lord thy God Chasteneth thee. And the word says in several places. My son. Despise thou not. The chastening of the Lord. Now you may be a. Proponent. And some of you will never even have heard this name. Dr. Spock. And I don't mean. uh, Star Wars. Or. Whatever that is, right? Not Star Wars, uh, Star Trek. Ah, you knew, didn't you? Yeah, (laughs) Doctor Spock was a godless individual in the, especially in the '60s, who taught that the the way to you don't you damage a child by correcting a child. You don't tell the child no. And his thoughts became so pervasive that people today don't even know who the originator of. Of course, he was only the instrument. He wasn't the originator of that. That was the adversary. Because the scripture says, you spare the rod and you send your child to hell. That's in the book. Preacher, that's child abuse. I didn't say beat your kid. Didn't say it, don't believe in that. Do not believe in that. But I do believe in biblical chastisement. He said, well, I can't spank her all the time. I said, you don't spank her. You don't spank her all the time. Let that be the last resort. Use other means, but do something to communicate to her. You mean business and that you're going to back up your word and let, and, and be like the Lord. Let the chastisement be incrementally more severe depending on the amount of defiance that's exhibited. Forgive me, Jason. I, I don't want to embarrass you or your child, but this was really funny. Abigail. Abigail that's never done anything in her life but look at me with this look. As if I'm not even there. Literally. She she is a trip. But apparently, the way I heard the story, she was staying with her grandmother the other day. And her grandmother told her to do something and she wasn't going to do it. And her grandmother said, I'm going to put you in time out. And according to the story I heard, this three, how old is she? Three? Three year old pops her fists on her hips and says, Nobody puts me in time out but my mommy and daddy. You see what I'm saying? When something that sweet, and babies are sweet, aren't they? Are born with flesh. They may be sweet, but it's flesh. And it defies from the first moment. The shock of my life was the first time I kept David as an infant by myself. And my wife, I I said to my wife, go on. It's okay. You can go. I'll stay here and take take care of him. She looked at me with this most dubious look and said, are you sure? I didn't say this to her. I'm a retired commissioned naval officer i flew airplanes i know how to command ships i can take care of this baby that, that that look of mine that said all that but my voice didn't didn't convince her at all so she goes out and my little buddy he didn't wait long to test her theories And so I took him into our bed and laid him on the bed and took his diaper off. And I'm proud of myself. I'm doing pretty good here. I've taken the diaper off. It had a few little pellets in it, and they looked like pellets. Thank God they were pellets. Not mushy, but pellets. (laughs) I'm serious. They look like little round pellets. Thank God. Because I'd seen a few diapers she changed and they weren't pellets. So I'm pretty proud of myself. So he's laying there on the bed and i do it, it, taking care of that pamper. I turn around, he wasn't done. There are now additional pellets on the bedspread. I'm not going to lose this war, no sir. So I got a clean one, laid it open, and moved him on top of it and said, Boy, you're going to lay right there till you're done. As if this two-week-old could understand me, right? But I've got to prove I'm in charge. Then I had to clean up the pellets. But I got to be honest with you, I was extremely humiliating and deeply, deeply, deeply shameful to realize that anything that I could participate in producing that was so perfect couldn't control his bowels. I mean, what's wrong? What's wrong with him? I mean, it's one of the most basic functions of a healthy individual. They can control their bowels and He's messing up diapers and messing up the bedspread. Oh, man, I, I wanted to know where I went wrong. That we could produce something like that. But I didn't realize that's where the <laughs> challenge started. I didn't know that. I'm, I'd never really been around babies, and I didn't know a whole lot about all that. And So I, it was, I was on a crash course. and. But I remember the first time he told me no. And I remember it was an hour and a half struggle. You think he's stubborn? You ain't seen nothing. He was born stubborn. Determined. But he had one problem. His father was more stubborn than him. And at that particular time, there was nothing more important to me in the entire world than winning this battle with this year and a half old. Get up in that chair. No. Get up in that chair. No. This went on. And I applied just a little bit of instruction. Get up in this chair. No. And his mother's laying on the couch acting like she's asleep. Because she was wise enough to know, if you got something to say about this, you say it to me privately, but you don't interrupt what I'm doing here right now. It took, it seemed like an hour and a half. It might not have been that long. It might have been an hour. It was a long time. Every time I told him, get up in the chair, he would say no. And finally, finally, he said, will you help me? I figured that was a good enough compromise. And I helped him in the chair. If ye being evil know how to be a good father, how much better father is your heavenly father? I know I paraphrase that. So what does he say? Listen to me now. Hear me. He's got this plan, see. He's got this plan for Israel. He's got this plan for all this awesome stuff he's gonna know he's gonna do to Israel and do for Israel and do through Israel. He's got this plan. But he also knows flesh. And so he knows that if he's going to do all this great stuff for, to, and through Israel, and yet, he's going to have to use them and their flesh. He knows there's some things he's got to do to prepare them for that in advance if there's any hope of them being saved when it's done. Because out here in the wilderness, when you can't sow any crops, and the only thing you've got to eat is what appears miraculously every morning. It's not hard to trust God when you don't eat without manna appearing every morning. And there was no water. It's not hard to trust God when you need a miraculous supply of water just to keep from dying of thirst in this wilderness. That's not hard to trust God there. It's not hard to trust God in the heat with the scorpions and the serpents. And all the other perils of this wilderness, this desert that we're wandering in. That's not hard to trust God then. But but the father was was hoping that the trial that he put them through was enough. That when he reversed all of that in their latter end when he reversed all that and took them into the promised land and gave them all this stuff and did all this for them and multiplied everything and they went from nomads in pit tents to living in cities and, and having wealth that somewhere in this process they would have learned enough about God and enough about themselves that they would not be tempted to forget God and take the credit for everything they had and some of us are sitting here and our attitude is well I sure would like to experience that really? really? the problem is it doesn't matter whether you would like to experience it or not it's coming the Lord has a ladder in for the church and it's going to be beyond anything we can imagine and you could say we've been hearing that for years and you're going to keep on hearing it because it's going to happen It's guaranteed by God. If it doesn't happen, then He's not God. It's that clear and simple. It's going to happen. But the question is, how many people that were faithful to God in the trials are going to fall away from God in their fullness? Because if I don't learn, The importance of hearing and obeying the voice of God in my trials. And cherish the voice. Cherish the fellowship. And realize that's the most important thing in life. No matter how bad my circumstances are. Then I have no chance of cherishing the voice. And cherishing the fellowship. And realizing that that fellowship is the most important thing in life. No matter how abundantly I am blessed. Blessed. When that time comes, I know this is Mother's Day. I know it is. And I know this, this afternoon, without planning to do so, I hindered the conversation between my grandchildren and their grandmother with the noise coming from my sleep-laden body. I didn't intend to go to sleep. I found myself asleep. But I wasn't just asleep. I was deeply asleep. I don't normally take naps because I go to sleep easy. And I go deep in sleep really easy. And about the only way I can take a shallow nap is to be sitting up. I know some of you can't imagine that because it's hard for you to go to sleep. Well, I can't imagine it being hard. I could lay down on this floor right here and I promise you in five minutes I'd be asleep. Are you that tired? No, I just am that much at peace. (coughs) I said, no, I'm just that much at peace. I don't have sleep apnea. Well, you snore. Then I've had it ever since I was 14 or 12 or whatever it is. This is an angelic woman right here because she has put up with that rafter rattling for 49 years. The problem is, I said, well, don't let me or She said, I rolled you over three times. You started right back up. I didn't remember that. (laughs) I really didn't remember. I don't remember her rolling me over. I don't remember it. Kick me out of bed. Push me on the floor. I don't want to lay here and keep you awake. But the point is this. In all this rambling. Hey, it's Mother's Day. We had a great meal. Great new dessert that I can't wait to get home and have round two with. Oh, But when I woke up from that nap, as deep as that sleep was, my flesh says, why didn't we cancel church tonight? Not you. Oh, yeah. Me. I don't like to go to sleep deep before preaching. Because it takes a while to kind of get everything working again. Get my spirit engaged. Get my mind clear. But that second voice said, No, I've got some things I want to do and say tonight. Okay, let's go. So I'm saying to you, we're not shouting and dancing. This is not like the last Sunday night I preached. It's not. I don't apologize for that. But I'm going to say something to you, Antioch Central. One of these days, you're going to get over feeling sorry for yourself that you were left behind. And realize the opportunity and privilege you were trusted with by being asked to stay. And when you do that, and you come together in your heart, mind, and spirit, and you're ready to see God give you what it is He's promised It's going to be amazing. But the problem is this, my dear ones. It's a lot harder to be faithful to God when things are going better than you can imagine. I remember, I remember the first, it was back on Windsor Avenue. I don't remember when it was, believe it or not. I think it was seventy-eight came to church one sunday night and there was a the house was full of brand new people i didn't know who they were where they came from i didn't realize they were a group i preached and an individual that represented the group came up to me and said we've come here tonight to be baptized in jesus name well, i was okay with me we had a horse trough out back of the house uh, of the building it was the only place that would fit outside it was out back of our building and i said oh i got a Baptist. Oh no. No, we want to be baptized in flowing water. Whatever. Okay. Water's water to me. If that's what you want to do, okay. It's the 31st of March. And they wanted to go down to Jonas Green Park and me baptized them in the Severn River. I thought it was a fairly warm evening. But it's right now, it's like 10 o'clock at night on Sunday night. And we're down there and a bunch of the folks came. You know, we've got, we've got the cars lined up with the headlights turned on the water and all that. And, 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 and they only, each one of them only get in the water and get out. I'm staying in the water. Up to my waist. Okay. And they started. And I baptized them. And each one I baptized, they would face the shore, which meant I was baptizing them their back into the waves because it's windy now. The wind is blowing the waves toward the beach. And every time I'm baptizing one of them, I get baptized because the splash and the wind is beginning to soak me. And those last few people that were baptized, I was, I was numb. And number 25. And we baptized twenty-five people that night. Number twenty-five was a particularly appetite uh, indulgent lady. And uh... did you like that? That was pretty good, wasn't it? And so the only reason I knew I had my hands on hers, I could see them. Because I couldn't feel it. And if I needed to be able to hold on to anybody, it was her. And so, waves coming in. and, and, And the thrill over baptizing this many people has started to wane. The more numb I got, the less excited I was. And so she's number 25. She's the last one. And I said what I said, prayed and baptized her. And when I pulled my hands up, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't feel her. When I was holding on to her arm, her, you know, she was like this. I had a hold of one of her arms. I had my, my, <laughs> my hands behind her back. the only way I knew I had my hands on her because I could see them before I baptized her when she went under I don't know if she pried herself loose or if I turned loose I have no idea all I know is when I brought my hands up there was nobody in those hands and immediately I saw the headlines of the capital newspaper preacher drowns lady in baptism I mean in a flash And it just, thank God, in about three seconds she got herself up out of that water. About ten feet away from me. And if she realized something had gone wrong, she never said anything or acted like it. Now, brethren had to carry me to the car, put me in the passenger seat. My wife got the car running, got the heat turned up all the way. And we were almost home before I could feel my body. But after I finally got home and got thawed out, got dried off, got laid down to the bed, I laid there. And I'm thinking, I just baptized 25 people in Jesus' name. And I got to be honest with you. It almost seemed surreal. Surreal. 25 people at one time. How amazing is that? I remember other revivals we've had where there were seasons of large numbers in a particular service or over a weekend. And and I remember going home and thinking, is this real? Is this really happening? Because this this is what I believe for, but I'm seeing it. But am I seeing? Is this just my imagination? Is my faith just so strong that I, my, 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 my desire has made it appear true? But it was true. I remember that vividly. And here is the disappointment. I thought that when I began to experience great harvest, that walking with God and my walk with God was going to be really easy because I was finally seeing what I was believing for. And I want you to hear me tonight. I understood the Lord's concern in Deuteronomy 8. Yes, we sit here and we're so... Some of us have been here a while, and we're waiting, and we're waiting. Hey, try being 71 and being here for 47 years and still waiting. I don't want to hear it. Nobody's been waiting longer than she and I. Nobody. But I believe it as strongly today as I ever have, and I know it's only a matter of God's timing, and it's coming. But let me tell you something. <laughs> I remember one of the first manifest or first meet meetings like uh, it's yesterday. I remember it. I remember the change in my ministry that had taken place and the, the flow that had come to abide and how every time I ministered there was such a flow. And I remember this one particular session talking about this change and how dramatic it was and the fact that all of these years... There were times when flow would be there and times the flow wouldn't be there. And, and I would never know when it was going to be there or not. And now I've gone like two, three manifest meetings and every session the flow's been there. I mean, I'd wake up with the flow. I'd go to sleep with the flow. And I still do. It's just like that right now. But I remember making the statement. I remember it as clear as I'm standing here. I pray that I have a relationship with God that is strong enough and solid enough to be able to stay saved with this kind of flow. I remember being a young man and Brother Billy Cole, the apostle of God and if you haven't at least heard the name you you need to go online on YouTube and look up Billy Cole and watch some of his stuff. He was an apostle of God. And he said to me personally, he said, Brother Wright, he said, when a man is striving to become what God wants him to be, he has to pray and fast and be constantly repenting and, and dedicating his life to God to get to that place where God then entrusts things to him. But when God entrusts that to you, you don't ever have to pray again for God to use you in that thing. He said, I have the gift of faith for people to receive the Holy Ghost. I never pray God fills somebody with the Holy Ghost. He said, I have a gift. And the Lord lets me know where he's going to be pouring out his spirit. And he sends me there. And it happens. He said, what I have to pray for now is for Billy Cole to be saved. I have a word for you tonight, Antioch Central and Antioch, the United, the apostolic church. I have a word for you. It is coming. It is coming. It's so close. It's so close. It is coming. And you say, well, finally. But that's not the concern of this pastor's heart, this bishop's responsibility. That's not my concern. Are you still going to be saved when it gets here? a kidney healed, a pelvis healed, a lady in Baltimore on oxygen for a long time delivered right there in that service. Miracles beginning to happen. People getting the Holy Ghost. The problem is, well, it Why isn't it happening more? Because the Lord is trying to give us another few days to make sure we're able to stay saved when it really happens. You say, you're making a big deal out of this, brother, right? Then I challenge you this night, before the week is out, read the book of Deuteronomy and tell me that this isn't exactly what Moses' concern was. Within two generations of being in the promised land, yes, yes, yes. Joshua's generation died. And then the generation that, that was still, was alive in the wilderness after that was younger than Joshua, it died. That next generation knew not the Lord. Two generations. And people living in the Promised Land, that was miraculously provided, miraculously blessed. Has a man say, "Who was it? Was it uh, Gideon?" Here we go. You ready? Did you hear the announcement. That was perfect timing. Gideon said, Okay, here we go. (laughs) Where are the miracles our fathers told us of? Where are the miracles? Where are the miracles our fathers told us of? Romans chapter 9 verse 28 if you would please. Romans 9 28. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness. Because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. Go back please. I'm just staying there. Thank you. The two times the word English word work is found in this verse. It is not the Greek word ergon, E-R-G-O-N, the English equivalent letters of the Greek, which is the normal word for work. It is the word logos. Word. For he will finish the word. And the word finish there in the Greek means to complete entirely not leaving stuff out because he's panicked and in a hurry for he will finish the word completely and when it says cut short what it is is contract cut out the dead spaces so stuff happens very rapidly because a contracted word will the Lord make upon the earth Oh, dear ones, 47 years, September, we've been here. Some have survived, some have not survived. Some are living for God in other places. Some are bitter and blaming everybody in the world except themselves. Some are weary and just out there waiting for it to happen Planning on coming back immediately so they don't get they don't miss out on it. They've stayed by the stuff. Trust me, there are scores and scores of people who believe the promises of God that have been made here just as much, if not stronger, than you do. But they got weary and they stayed by the stuff. And I don't have time to explain all that. You can find it. Just look up the word Ziklag and find out about what happened at Ziklag with David. But their plan is, and I've talked to some of them, they know more about what's going on in this church than I do. They got their finger on the pulse because as soon as it starts, they're coming back because they don't want to get left out. The Philist, no, it wasn't the Philistines. Who was it that came against Ziklag? David was camped out with the Philistines. It was somebody else. Some enemy came while David was out fighting. And they came and took all the women and children and the stuff and burned Ziklag. And David and his men came back from this conflict they were a part of. And saw that all their family was gone. And all their possessions were gone. And their city was burned. And they were going to stone David. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Because there was nobody to encourage him but himself and Jesus. Yes, Jesus existed then. And so he, he uh, the Lord speaks to Amalekites. Thank you. The Lord says to him, pursue and you'll recover all. But because that what they had been through in conflict and all the traveling, marching, getting to the battle and back, some were tired, they stayed by the stuff. And the others went with David to recover everything. The Lord said, pursue, you'll recover all. And they did. But then when they came back, those that went and fought didn't want those that stayed by the stuff to get their stuff back. David established a rule that those who stayed by the stuff were entitled to an equal portion with those that went to battle, and some of you are going to have a little attitude toward those that stayed by the stuff and haven 't been able to be here in the thick of all this, but i 'm telling you right now everlasting one of them will be welcome that back door there 's not going to be any questions asked. Where are you? Where have you been? Why haven't you been here? They're going to be welcomed back with open arms and said, here it is. You're a part of this. You've always been a part of this. So what's your place here? What are you willing to be a part of? It's coming. And I realize that we've all been here so long. And it doesn't look like it. But you see, i got a promise. I've got a promise that I will live to see all of the promises of God fulfilled at Antioch. Now, I guess I could live to be 150. Don't want to. The point I'm making at 71, it's a very high likelihood... From the promise made to me that this, all this is going to happen a lot sooner than later. But as your pastor for 35 years and as your bishop, my concern is this. Will the elder brother be able to handle the blessings that are coming to the house? Because the younger brother is welcome back from the dead. Will we be able to receive all that God has promised without, without being tempted to take the credit? So you pray, and it's a great prayer meeting. Or you minister to somebody, and God does something. And that little voice back there says, Oh, you did good. What are you going to do with that little voice? Well, I just ignored it. Worst thing you can do. You sing and God moves. And that little voice says, Boy, oh, you, you had it tonight. Everybody's impressed with how well you sung. You play. Stuff happens. That little voice says, you, you were really good tonight. You teach a Bible study and somebody gets saved. And that little voice says, Boy, you really, you need, they need to let you tell everybody how to do this Bible study stuff because you got it down. What are you going to do with that voice? What do you do with that voice? Because that voice and what you do with it determines what you do when it really gets major. Because if I don't learn how to not take the credit over the small things that God does through me, I will not be able to take, make sure He gets the credit and I don't take the glory when He does the major stuff. A few months ago, the Lord sent me someplace. The circumstances that I thought I was going there in, it suddenly became obvious that those circumstances weren't going to work. And my question was, well, did I miss it? Am I not supposed to be here? Because what I thought I was going for, it wasn't going to happen in the time frame I was expecting. Did did I blow this? And the Holy Ghost says, no, I sent you here. You came for this, but I sent you for this. And I preached twice on Sunday and once on Wednesday. And according to the pastor, the Lord has completely revolutionized his life and his church. And that little voice says, well, you were used this time, weren't you? And what do you do with that voice? I was teaching for a friend of mine and uh he had a particular area he wanted me to talk about to his church and I went three nights about three hours a night no notes and it just the Lord moved and it was their spirit of revelation was there and I'm sitting in his vehicle and his wife is sitting right next to in her vehicle right next to us I got my window down she got hers down he's standing between the vehicles he's talking to her to, to her He turns to me and says, I don't know anybody that's got more revelation than you do. I just looked at him. He finished his conversation with her. He walked around, got inside his vehicle and turned to me and said, you don't believe what I said, do you? I don't even know where this answer came from, but this was my answer. I believe that you believe what you said, but I can't afford to. I believe that you believe what you said, but I can't afford to. For my soul's sake, I can't afford to. And I don't know what stage or scale God's going to use you on in all of this. But you hear me right now tonight. As the bishop of God to this church, you will be faced with a test of who's going to get the glory. And that's going to determine whether God replaces you or continues to bless you. You will. You will see so much happen in you, on your stage and in your place. The question's going to be Who's going to get the glory for this? Why, Bishop? Have I gone through all of this? Why is this happening? Why hasn't this happened? Why, 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 why? Okay. I remind you again what the answer is. You ready? Here's the answer. Here's why. Deuteronomy 8, 2. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the desert. To humble thee. And to prove thee. To know what was in thy heart. Whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Because if you can't obey him in the wilderness... You're not going to obey him in the middle of a field that is so bountiful that you have no hope of reaping at all. It's so bountiful. If you can't obey him in the lean times, the flesh says, well, if things would just get better, I would have more faith in God. I'd be more dedicated. I'd be more committed. Are you kidding me? When you're in the desert and your priority every day is just survival and you have nothing else to focus on but surviving, if you can't be faithful to God when you've got no other demands on your time but just surviving every day, you, (laughs) you know what? There's two things I've learned. As I've gotten older, I'm a student of people. I'm a student of God and his word first, but I'm a student of people. I watch people. If you don't know that, I watch people. Everywhere I go, I watch people. I watch people in church. I watch people out of the church. I watch people in the airport. I watch people. Words are my tool, but people are my field of labor. And I want to know the word, and I want to know people. (laughs) And, (laughs) oh, Jesus. It is so difficult. When you watch people make this group make the mistake that that group made and you saw what happened to that group and then you, over time a new group comes along and you watch them make that same mistake and you'd like to say ah, if you do that this is going to happen but they don't want to hear it any more than that group back there would have received it if I would have known enough to have warned them. And so I want to warn them, but the Lord says, this is my doing, leave it alone. But Lord, they're they're going to do this and this is going to happen. I know. My flesh says, stop it, don't do that. My eldest got married 25 years ago on the 23rd of uh, May, 1992. I think it was 92. Yeah, 92. And my youngest got married on May the 24th, 2003. And while either one of them or both of them were in the house, I was the dad, eating my food, wearing clothes I buy, sleeping on beds i provided. I don't care whether you want my advice or not, you're getting it. I'm dad, you're the kid. I don't care if you're 50 years old, living in my house, that makes you the kid. So here it comes. But one thing I learned really quickly... It's when they said I do, they stopped being my son, they became a husband. Oh, you say they're still your son. Yeah, but that relationship took a big second place to the relationship husband. That means I don't give unsolicited advice. You want to know what I think about that? You ask, I'll give you the I'll tell you everything I know about it that can help you. But if you want to make your own decisions and make your own mistakes. Even if I could have warned you I don't have the right I said I don't have the right Because that man Forsook his father and mother And is cleaving unto this woman And he's now a husband more than he's a son and that just severed my right to uns- to give unsolicited advice. Even as painful as it is to watch them make the decision sometimes and see what happens. And you know that's what's going to happen. Well, that's not very loving. Well, you call it what you want. But I'm respecting. You're a man. You're man enough to say I do. You're man enough to be respected. And for me to impose on you unsolicited advice is disrespect, and I'm not doing it. You want my help? You want my input? Always available. I know I've gone a little while here, and I think I'm getting close to being done, maybe The point is this, you're a child of God and there's nothing happening in your life that is a mystery. Everything is a test. Every day you roll out of the bed in the morning, that day has tests in it from your heavenly father. Everything is a test for the purpose of humbling you, proving you, knowing you, to see what you're going to do. Well, I don't like that. Sorry. It's just the way it is. You you have the liberty to walk out of here and go back to a purposeless life that has no meaning. and a destination that's nothing but a void it may be possible that before i leave here i may end up having to be taken care of in a home someplace i don't believe that but it's possible it really is possible and if that's the the way it ends it won't be ending with me bitter Cause I'll have a lot of time to do a lot of stuff. And as long as I got a cell phone and a brain that works, I can preach to people all over the world. I've always got more people wanting to talk to me than I got time to talk. And if it ends up like that, that's okay. Cause it's not my life and it's not my will. It's his. But I didn't get to that overnight. There's still a slab out here 14 years later. There's still a slab. And I know there are people saying, boy, your 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 leadership and management is terrible. I can't help what you think. I know how I got from that day to this. And we've done everything we've could that the Lord's let us do. Because he's got a timing in everything. And everything we've tried to do out of his timing... He has shut it down over and over and over again. We got promises, folks. We got promises that are so great that I've had men look me in the face and tell me I was dangerously unhinged. For even publicly stating I believe such things. Literally. I've had men say that to me. You. You are dangerously dysfunctional. Why? Because you talk in tongues too much. And those stupid promises you say you believe. No, that, that can't happen. If that's what you think I'm unhinged over. Just call me unhinged. Because that's not changing. But hear me. My Lord. The pastor and I have been kind of rounding around a little bit over the sides of the auditorium here on the site. And I understand his perspective. You know, you got 350 people on Sunday morning. And, and with the Sunday morning, part of the Sunday morning crowd not coming, then other people come, got another 300, 350 on Sunday night on a regular, normal service time. And you look at that and you go, "Uh, you know, it, we, we why build an auditorium for more than 1,200 people? We'll seat more than 1,200 people and my point is this uh, slight problem I've had a vision of that auditorium and it won't seat 1,200 people it seat 2,500 people and I know that's not your intent but I am not compromising my faith in that vision to build something you're comfortable with not happening why? because We're not doing this for where we are now. We got a promise. (laughs) The the struggle I've had all these years, everywhere I go, but especially in Antioch, because I have such high regard for you, is that I think everybody believes in the promises like I do. There's some, but most, you want to, you try, but you just can't see how it's going to happen. I can't, I don't see how it's going to happen either, but I don't have to produce it. I just have to obey God. I have to believe it. That's all I have to do. Do you believe God's going to give us a hundred thousand members, not attendance, members in Anne Arundel County alone? That's not counting anybody's coming to church in Baltimore. Howard County, Prince George's County, Calvert County, Eastern Shore, D.C. Do I believe that? With absolutely everything in me. And people look and say, you've lost your mind. No, I've lost my pride. I'm willing to to appear to be a fool. Can you believe a 75-year-old man with a 65-year-old wife announces to everybody he's going to have a son naturally? That today that would be considered lunacy. In his day, it was double lunacy. And so what did God do? God waited and waited and waited. And even when Abraham tried to fix it, help God out, he waited. Until it was so impossible that no one would be able to deny this was God. A hundred year old man begat, and a hundred, ninety year old woman conceived. And birth a son. We read these stories. We look at this. We talk about this. We hear it preached and say amen. But do you ever put yourself in that scenario? God gave me a vivid imagination. I don't have any problem injecting myself into that situation and seeing how impossible that would feel. And yet, Against hope, he believed in hope. He didn't consider his own body now dead and I'll leave that right there. What that means. Cause he was believe, breathing and he was healthy. I'm just say it. So whatever that means, he was dead somehow. But he believed that God was able to enable him to father a child. Even though he was dead. In the way that mattered to produce a child. And against hope. He believed in hope. And, and before she got pregnant. People would say. I'm sure of it, poor old Abraham. You know, isn't it? Isn't it so admirable how he's believed all these years? And somebody needs to be ready to create a safe space for him so he can be let down (laughs) when he finally realizes that God's not going to do it. Somebody needs to create a safe space for him because he's so fragile when he finally finds out that he's not really going to father a son. But those same folks, after the wailing of that baby in the, in Sarah's tent, I knew it all along. I knew it was going to happen. Yes, praise God. And you know what Abraham has to do? He just has to shake his head internally and say, okay. No, there's nothing to be gained by looking them in the face and saying, so you don't remember what you said to me a year ago? In Jesus' name, Antioch. In Jesus' name, Antioch. You will know that you're approaching Victory when you stop looking at everything about how it's affecting you and what this is doing for you or doing to you or not doing for you or not doing to you or how this is affecting you and how it's not affecting you. and When it stops being about you, you are getting to the place of being mature enough that God can trust you with the fulfillment of His promises. But as long as you still look at everything from the perspective of how it's affecting me and what this means to me and what is my place going to be in this and how am I going to be pushed aside and and, and, and what's going to happen if one of those people that stay by the stuff come in and get the job I was looking to get in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Is anybody hearing the voice of God tonight? I beg of you, is anybody hearing the voice of God tonight? I had an elder say to me when I first came to this city. He said, Brother Wright, you'll go through about seven different congregations before you have an established group of people. I said to to myself, that's not happening here. We're going to pray, we're going to fast, we're going to hold on to those people that have gotten saved. Well, there's folks that's been here a long time. Richard, how many different congregations have we been through? How many different turnovers have we had in in these years? If it's not seven, it's really close. A wave comes in, joins those that are there, and then over time... A bunch of those leave and a few more of the ones that were here when they got here left. And then you go through a period of time and then another wave comes in and the same process goes on. And then another wave and the same process, and another wave, same process. As the Lord works his people to a place, he can find out who am I going to be able to count on? Who can I trust? Who's going to trust me? And it's so disappointing. It's really disappointing when you see the stony ground seed come up quickly with joy. And so happy to be a part of this. And so thrilled. But as soon as testing comes because of the word, they wilt and they're gone. And that's disappointing. But oh, my friend, it's far more disappointing to see that good seed that sown that ended up among thorns, and when you see them grow and progress, and you see the wheat on their stalks, and just about the time you think you're going to see something really productive spiritually out of this life, the weeds, the, stalk, the, the thorns just choke that plant out, and it never truly produces. And sometimes that process takes 30 years to be fully manifested. People here participating year after year, decade after decade. And then at the end, realize there were seeds of thorns and weeds that they left in their heart. And they never really let God purge those seeds out of their heart. And then one day the conditions become right and those seeds germinate that were just seeds, dormant seeds in their lives where they looked like they were growing and they looked like they were progressing and they looked like they were becoming what God wanted them to be. Then all of us, all of a sudden you notice stuff happening, attitude changing, spirit changing. After all these years, you watch that. And you watch those seeds they harbored, but they never grew. So how do you deal with a seed in a heart that's not manifesting? You preach, and people live in denial. My faithful friend, coworker here, we've talked for years. That we're seed inspectors. You know there's certain things in a person's life. But it's not being yielded to. It's not being manifested. And you just know there's no way to deal with that. But you hope. That when that seed finally begins to prove it's there. That you have a moment of time. An opportunity to step in. And neutralize that seed while that person now can acknowledge it's there. Because if they don't, all these years of living for God will end up being fruitless because of stuff they harbored in their heart, lived in denial it was there, and never dealt with. That's painful. That is so painful. I got this list. If you haven't heard about it, I'm telling you about it tonight. It's called, uh, my Holy Ghost hit list. It's people that have gotten saved, that the hand of God was on their life. You knew God had plans for them. They may not be called to preach, but you knew God had plans for them. They had tremendous potential. But then something happened and they just lost their way and they were gone. And so I put them on this list. And this is the way I pray for people on this list. Father, I know you can't violate their will. But you have plans for these people to reach lost people that nobody else will be in a position to reach but them. Don't let those souls go go to hell. Because this person chooses to live a stubborn Selfish life. Whatever you've got to do. Don't let them have rest. Don't let anything work for them. Do whatever you've got to do. But don't let this life and this person's place in your plan go unfulfilled. So that the people you have predetermined that they are the voice to. So that those people can have a chance to be saved. Go to hell. Because this person... Just doesn't want to make the trip. Welcome. To a few of you. That I'm right on the verge. Of removing you from the list. You've been there a while. Some of you that have come back recently. Or over the last. Months or six months or more. Whatever. That have been on the list. Don't threaten me. I'm not threatening you. I'm making you a promise. This isn't about you. You ready? Hear the whole statement. I could care less how your life goes. When I sense that the hand of God's on your life and he's got people that you're supposed to be reaching so that they at least have a chance not to spend eternity in hell, I don't care what you have to go through. And I don't care what I got to pray on you for you to go through. For you to finally give in to God and find your place so those people don't know how to to go to hell. I really don't care. I don't care if you lose everything you got like Job. I don't care. I don't care if your body ends up covered with boils. If that's necessary, you said, Brother, all right, that's hard. No. Eternity's long. Hell is beyond description. And if in the plan of God, if in his plan, you fulfilling your place in that plan, you will cross paths with those people and you will be the voice of God in their life to give them an opportunity to not go to hell. I don't care if your life here turns into hell just so they don't go to hell. And I'm willing to pray that on you. And do regularly. Why? Because I pray that about myself. I prayed this for so many times. Father. I charge you with my salvation. I charge you this day to save me. I exercise my will this day. To say to you. Whatever you've got to do. To keep me saved and keep me motivated to be faithful to fulfill your will and your work that you've called me to, don't hold anything back. You don't really pray that way, do you brother, right? Oh, not more than about two, three, four times a week. Do you mean it? <laughs> Sitting in this seat here is this beautiful, wonderful lady who has had the task of living with me for 49 years. Ask her privately if she believes I mean that. Because you see something? I know this stuff. It doesn't matter I've had the Holy Ghost 59 years. It doesn't matter how many messages I've preached and how many people gotten saved, how many miracles happened, how many answered prayers. is, None of that matters. You see this stuff? I don't trust this stuff. And I know that if I give this stuff any opening at all, I'm not going to be where I'm supposed to be with God. And so whatever my God's got to do to not let me miss on being in the place he wants me to be doing what he wants me to do, It's worth it. And sometimes the way he does that is not the easy way. The number of days in her latest major trial that I felt so helpless. If it was me sick, if I was the one with a diagnosis, If I was the one going to chemo, I'd just be the man and just rise up and just gut my way through it. Right? That's what I'd try to do. That's why God didn't choose me to go through that. Whatever he did for her and all of that, which was major, he did some awesome things for her. But he did stuff in me too. He showed me how helpless I am. He showed me just exactly what I'm worth. Without his anointing. Without his word. When he shut all that down. said you can't use all this with her. All you can do is trust me. Not going to let you speak the word. Not going to let you use your authority. Not going to let you pray and demand this stuff. Leave her body. Not going to let you do it. You're going to humble yourself before me. And you're going to trust me. You're going to trust me. It was hard. But guess what? I don't even know how to explain to you the difference. But I go places this last year and a half. And people say, you're just, you're different. Man, your ministry's different. Okay. Can you explain that to me? No, I, I really can't explain it. It's just, it's just, it's different. There's just, you're just in a different place. Okay. Because I can't always feel that, you see. But I can see the, the effect of it. I know, I know, this has been a, a day and you may have plans tonight and, and I've gone on and it's already 8.16 in case you think your, your watch is broken or your iPad battery is dead or iPhone battery is dead. I know that. But is anybody in this house hearing the voice of God? Is there anybody in this house hearing the voice of God? Is there anybody in this house hearing the voice of God? Is there anybody in this house hearing the voice of God? My, my, my. Is there anybody in this house hearing the voice of God? Get your eyes off other people. And how they're, they are affecting your circumstances. This isn't about your husband or your wife or your kids or your parents. This isn't about your best friend in the church. This isn't about your circumstance or your situation. This isn't about all that stuff you're blaming. Whatever you're blaming everything on. This is about you and God. Are you hearing his voice? Are you hearing his voice? Is he talking to you? I said it Thursday night. I'm saying it again. This is not a political statement. This is a spiritual statement. I thank God for the space of time that our current political situation is giving to the church. But I fear, and I mean that not from a state of doubt or worry, but out of concern. I fear that so many people of God are taking this time as a time to relax rather than to repent and rededicate and refocus and recommit. I fear that. Because whether you like the current political situation or not, don't worry. If you don't like it, it's going to change. If you do like it, it's going to change. It's not going to stay like this forever. I promise you this. I'm not even sure. And I'm not prophesying anything. I'm just saying what I'm saying. I'm just saying what I'm feeling. I'm not even sure that this president is going to endure four years in office because this is a small space of time for the church. And you trust me, I tell you in the Holy Ghost, when the change comes, the hammer's going to be dropped on the church in this country like you've never seen it drop before. You better be ready. You better be ready. Because if you can't run with a footman, how are you going to run with a horseman? I think it was Jeremiah that asked that. If you can't run with a footman, how are you going to run with a horseman? Let me tell you what I know. There are angels of God, high-ranking angels of God, in this place. And they're standing still. Waiting Waiting For the response of this people They can work with you They cannot work Independent of you Hear me The angels of God Can work with the people of God They cannot work Independently of the people of God So what about you? You just focused on surviving and coming to church? Or are you saying, here I am, Lord. Help, make, help me make sure I know what my place is and I'm committed to my place. And, and I'm letting you prepare me for my place. Help me, Lord. Use me, God. I want to be faithful to you. I want to be faithful to you. Some of you got major see the quotes? you got major things going on in your life. And your whole focus mentally, emotionally, spiritually is on resolving those major things. And instead of casting them on the Lord and focusing on Him and His plan, His purpose, and His kingdom, you're all caught up in major temporal things that really don't mean anything eternally. But the Lord's just let that come into your life to test you, to prove you, to know you. Whether you're going to obey him or not. What's your attitude going to be? What's your spirit going to be? You don't know how so and so's offended me. I'm not saying it's okay to uh, for, for them to offend you. But let me tell you what Jesus said. Offenses must come. Offenses are coming. The question is, how are you going to respond to being offended? What's your response going to be? It's a test. It's a test. The person that's offended you, they're going to answer to God. But your response to that offense is a test from God. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Because if you can't forgive your brother or your sister or your husband or your wife or your parents or your kids when they offend you or your best friend in this church when they offend you, if you can't forgive them, how are you going to forgive those people that hate your guts and get up in your face and physically abuse you or even try to take your life or your family's life? How are you going to forgive them if you don't learn to forgive now? How are you going to forgive them? Come on. The Spirit of God is so strong in this place tonight. Angel to God, stand by wondering if they're going to be able to work and do the will of God. Whether or not they're going to have somebody to partner with. I don't have the time to get into that, but I can prove that's... That scenario biblically as clearly as I'm standing here. I don't have the time to do it, but I can. They are ministering spirits sent to minister, the the Greek says, with the people of God. With those that shall be heirs of righteousness. Come on. Come on. What about you? Come on, young people. Are you going to be afraid of what somebody says to you or about you if you invite them to this service this Saturday night? But what if they come and get the Holy Ghost and their parents won't let them come back? That's not your problem. It's That's not on you. That's on them. That's on their parents. But are you going to let God use you, young people? Yes We've invited people and they've come Yes They've gotten the Holy Ghost Yes Some of them have left Yes I know that's disappointing But that You can't let that cause you to quit In the name of Jesus If you need to go You're welcome to go God bless you But if you're hearing the voice of God Don't turn it off so you can leave Come on. If you're hearing the voice of God, don't turn it off so you can leave. Come on. There's people in this building, young men and women, and some not so young. That the hand of God's on your life. And the question is. Are you ever going to give yourself to God. So that he can use you in whatever ministry he's got for you. Are you ever going to submit to him. Are you ever going to put him first in your life. So you can be used. Are you going to continue to make excuses. And live the damnable life that you're living. That's bringing damnation on you. And everything you're involved in. The voice of God is speaking in this place tonight. Is anybody hearing it? The voice of God is speaking in this place tonight. Is anybody listening? In the name of Jesus. 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 Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Brother, right, I'm busy. I'm just trying to make a living. Just trying to take care of my family. Just trying to make sure everything's okay, really. And that's the extent of the purpose of your life every day, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's all about you, isn't it? But, but, but I got to feed my family. Yeah i got to take care of my family. Yeah. But there's a higher calling. You put his calling first. He'll take care of your family. Either you can take care of your family or he'll take care of your family. All, the whole question is going to be, who are you going to put first? What are you going to put first? Anybody listen to the voice of God? Lord speaking to anybody in this place? But I want my kids to have culture. Oh, that's wonderful. You want your kids to have culture. That's wonderful. But are you spending as much time in the Word with them and in prayer with them as you are exposing them to culture of this world? Really? That's what you're training your kid in is culture? And not in the things of God, not in the Word of God, not in the will of God, not in the purpose and the plan of God for their life? Come on. In the name of Jesus. I I don't mean this facetiously. If you need to go, you're welcome to go, but I'm not stopping till the Holy Ghost tells me to stop. Come on, we're praying. The Holy Ghost is talking to us. The Lord's doing business with us. The Lord's doing business with us. Come on. Come on. What's your response going to be? Come on, Father. Mother. Accept the responsibility that your spiritual decisions are going to affect the second, third, and fourth generation of them that come after you. Come on, Father. Mother. Grandparents. Accept the fact That your spiritual walk is going to affect the second, third, and fourth generation. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah! 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 Tie kala ratata hai. Tie kala rotala ratata hai. Tie kala ratata hai. Who's first in your subconscious? Who's first in your life and in your inner man? You or the kingdom? You are Jesus. You are His purpose. Who's first in your inner man? Who's first in your priorities every day? Because if you're first, when this blessing comes, you're going to make it all about you. And you're going to end up lost. You're going to take the blessings of God and make them your God. Instead of serving and worshiping the God of the blessings, you're going to make the blessings of God your God. They'll become your priority. And you'll be be lost. You'll be lost. Adam chose the blessing of God over the God of the blessing and sin entered into the world. I love my wife. I love my sons and their wives. I love my grandchildren. I love Antioch. I don't travel because I want to get away from you. I just don't belong to me and I have to walk through whatever door he opens to be faithful to him because it's not about me and it's not about you. It's about him and the will of God. We miss you, brother. Right? I miss you too. But I have to do the will of God, and so do you. So do you. Hikahata halal roto bokora tatahai. Tihe kala rote te kala tatahai. Tihe kaha Tie kalar kala ro telede ti e kala rata tata hay Ma la Ma bote Hallelujah 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 Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Come on. I'm not dismissing. I'm just laying this mic down. You do what you feel to do. You need, want to leave? You can leave. You want to pray? You can pray. Don't stay and pray because somebody else is. You pray till you're done praying. You pray till the voice of God releases you in Jesus' name.